Let's have a sincere conversation about events across the nation and topics for our own morality. Let's openly discuss in an environment of trust where perception is reality. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the podcast, Perception is Reality. It is once again your host, David. And today, I am very happy to invite a longtime friend that I was able to connect with thanks to the miracle of Facebook. And if you know anything about the podcast, you know that I actually hate Facebook and Zuckerberg and how much data they have. That's episode two. Have fun with that. But the person that I would like to introduce to all of you today is Mr. Al Sangapolutelli. What's going on, Dave? How you doing? I am doing well. Very excited to be talking to you. Um, I am. It's been, just so everybody knows, I like to get this uh, full disclosure on the podcast, is Al and I, um, Al is one of my, I would say, Hawaiian friends and family, uh, because when I was a young lad and moved to Hawaii uh, with my young bride Sherry we didn't have any family in Hawaii uh, actually I do have a cousin that lives there but you know proper family a large family unit and Alfred better known as Al was one of the people that uh, let me adopt him as family when we were there you <laughs> probably heard Margaret's episode hopefully everybody so she was one of those people so thank you for that Al yeah, that's, um, what is it, more than 20 years ago, I'd say, right? It was a couple years ago. And fun fact, you ready for this one? Sure. I still have my lava lava. Get out of here. I do. That's fantastic. I have taken it with me across every move, and we've been on several, uh, probably 10 cross-country moves to different states since the last time you yeah. and I have been physically in the same presence. But I, I do have my lava lava. They come in handy, don't they? They do. Um, I was a little, little, you know, um, scared to wear it. I never wore it in public, but uh, right. you know, around, around the house. Um, yeah, Hawaii just seems like uh, those were great memories, right? Um, they were. They were. Yeah, and you know, the news today—it's snowing in Maui. I don't know if you saw that. Uh, I did. Sherry told correct. me that, and, and you know, it makes me—is it snowing on Haleakala? Like, uh, or is it snowing, snowing? I think it's snowing in parts that it's the lowest elevation ever recorded where snow has fallen, if I'm oh. not mistaken. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty amazing. So, wow. Yeah. Well, I'll have to, um, after this, stalk my uh, Dwight and Adri's uh, yeah. Facebook feeds to see what's going on. Uh, I removed Facebook from, from my phone um, and Messenger from my phone because they're, well, Intrusive. Yes. And also because battery life, I will tell you, I, I don't really, the battery life, so with those two applications gone, is yeah. just off the charts. Get there. Get there. So people are probably wondering by this point, and I could actually go into a whole bunch of like L memories, but, uh, you know, I, I won't force that down you today. But what can you tell us we are going to be talking about today? So today, I think I want to touch on, since your show is all about perception and reality, and talk a little bit about my journey of, uh, at one point, weighing almost 500 pounds, right? And then losing uh, 238 pounds in about two and a half years. So we're going to talk about the 
work, the effort, and also the stigma that goes along with being morbidly obese, of how people see um, people's perception of why people are obese, right? And what the realities are, I think. Um, and then just feel free to ask any questions uh, about, you know, and again, what I'm gonna say here today, these are all my opinions. I'm not like, you know, I can only talk from my experience of, of, um, of the journey so far. Right. And, so, yeah. That, and thank you for that. Number one. And if I may just um, offer you um, a little bit of help is that I like people like yourself, like Margaret, like Claire, um, my nephew, Ryan, Julie, Clint, all regular people. I don't want an expert to come on because an expert is an expert because they've studied it. I want people who have lived it those are real experts. So I appreciate what you're saying with the caveats that it's your opinion, but these are your truths. You've lived them. Um, and I'm excited to talk to you about that. Uh, not so you can relive anything horrible, but I'm just excited to talk to you about that because I went through my own weight loss journey and I'm, I'm not as big as you. And what I mean by that is I'm only five, nine and memory serves. Correct. You are about six, three. Yeah, exactly. So that's a tall person. Yeah. Uh, so six, two and three quarters. But, you know, we round up, right? So six, we round. everybody rounds up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah so I'm, I'm already a tall guy. Um, and thankful that you brought that up. So at six, three and at 480 something pounds, imagine walking onto a scale and it only goes up to 450 pounds. Right. That's the reality. Uh, at the time. Uh, and um, I also remember when I was living in California, uh, trying to lose weight. Because remember, this is a battle of years and years, right? Trying to lose weight, you lose yeah. some weight, you gain it back and that sort of thing. And I remember looking for a scale that could hold me. And at the time, you could only find uh, on Amazon or whatever it was, uh, commercial scales. And they were like $400, $500. These weren't cheap scales. So the only scale that would hold me was when I went to appointments at like Kaiser Permanente, you know, when I went in for my regular uh, uh, checkups or, 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 you know, visits, if you will. Yep. So that was the reality uh, of, when was it? Back in California when I moved there back in 2002, 2003. Um, so we moved in 96 from the island. Uh, we moved out in 96. So you moved in what, 2002? You said 2002. Right. I don't, so I don't remember you. I mean, I remember you, I guess I would say maybe overweight, but I would, I mean, but that's just overweight. I mean, I were, how heavy were you in when I knew you? So when we met, I was probably hovering around the high 300s, I would say. But that's, you bring up a really good point. That's because I'm a tall guy, like weight was supposedly distributed evenly or whatever. So it didn't seem like I was that heavy, but tr truth be told, yes, I was heavy. And, so, and, and I remember almost like a, a muscular physique too, though. Uh, well, now you're just being kind. No, uh, no, I, <laughs> I remember being the little white guy, you know, being like, 
my big Samoan friend. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, me and Jim were t- definitely big guys around yeah, you, yeah. right? Yeah, I felt yeah. like I had bodyguards everywhere I went between you and Jim. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but that's what it was. And I think, you know, I tell people, the last record I have was when I went in for a sleep study. And I think it was like 2008. I went in to get my sleep study and to get onto a CPAP machine. And I was right around 485. And that's the only medical thing I had. That's what I go by. But I think in 2000, I had this uh, epiglottitis. And if I'm not mistaken, I just can't get my hands on, on the form. I was so heavy that they had to measure me on this bed where um, they, they knew what the weight of the bed was. And they just rolled me onto this scale and subtracted whatever the weight of the bed was. And that's how much I weighed. And I think I was over 500 pounds. I just don't have that medical record in front of me, you know, uh, to tell me how much I actually weighed. Is that but, something that you want? I'm sorry to interrupt you. I just, I just need to know, like, I, I, I will try to be less Budinsky-ish, but uh, is that a record that you want to have? Like, no, absolutely not. Like these yeah. things, uh, and let me, I know we, we already started talking, but the stage was, this didn't happen overnight, right? Right, like, right. Years and years and years of, um, of not caring about my health and just maybe enjoying life too much. And while we're talking about this as well, is also that, you know, this persona that we're well, not persona, but more of a, uh, first off, most people think I'm a nice guy, right? You are. You're, I, you're thoroughly awesome. I mean, thank you. you are. Most people think. And then, you know, the perception is, you know, Al probably has, you know, he has it together. You know, he's, he's got a pretty good work life and, you know, personal life and that sort of thing. And he's overall a happy dude and he's open for the most part, right? Like he's, he can talk about different things, but that's the perception people i think people had of me the but the reality is it, no i was not happy like no one i tell no one gets to almost 500 pounds because they're happy that's not a sign of of, of being happy right um True. that's a good point that, that is a good point so i struggled with weight since like I came out of high school, I think I was overweight, I, but it just got worse, you know, through school and through work. And, um, you know, maybe there was some personal pain there that, that was, uh, that was there a history. Right. Um, but just like many people who go on these weight journeys, I feel like I look back and I've tried everything I could from like, diets and systems and you know all of these other different gyms and funny enough when i had like my membership to this gym walked in and i talked to someone about losing weight and i was you know, i was a, a, way over 400 pounds we went through this program of like okay this is what you're gonna eat this is what you're gonna come in and do or whatever it's like personal training right but after that everything is on your own I, pay, I remember paying for membership for over a year and a half and never walked into a gym from like, I probably walked into the gym two months, the first two months and then paid. Yeah. And there was an embarrassment of like, no, I don't want to go in and cancel my membership. Right. Because, and I think there's an episode of friends that talks, they that goes do. into that. Right. <laughs> they do. And, and dude, I had to, just for the record, I want you to know, you know, you're not alone in this journey. I feel like you've learned that, that you're not alone, yeah. but what you may not know is I'm right there with you, dude. I literally moved just recently. I moved from Rochester to Houston 
And that's how I got out of my gym membership that I never used because wow. I physically moved and I was like, Hey guys, I have a new address. I don't need it anymore. Yeah. I mean, I had to move. So I get it. I, 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 I get it. I mean, although in that gym, I did go like once a month because I was every time I got the bill and then I was like, okay, I better go. Right. Um, but I didn't use it, use it. And that, that's just because I have a locker room phobia, but that's a different show. But so let's go into the perception. Cause um, I would have the little, um, what do you call it? Tag on my key. Mm -hmm. And if I would leave it on the table, someone, I remember people asking me, it's like, Oh, you go to the, to that gym. He's like, yeah, yeah. But no, that was the perception. The reality is nope, never exactly. walked in. Like, you know, <laughs> that was the perception people got just because exactly. it was on my keys. But the reality is nope. No, it's yep. Perception, go to gym, reality, not so much. Not so much, man. But that's not the case now. No, that's not the case now. I'm a little bit of, of um, <laughs> I go about five to six times a week. Uh, that, that's, that's awesome. It's, so if I could just back up a little bit, though. Sure. Um, mm -hmm. Did, so you were talking about how you weren't happy. Um, because I agree with you, and I want you to know that my own personal journey, um, I didn't lose quite as much as you, but I did lose, I was, uh, my height, I was 250, and I lost 60 pounds, um, and then things were going great, and then I found out that the, the company was being sold, mm -hmm. and I had to help finalize that uh, deal, and then on top of that, I had to move down here to Houston. So that was not only an incredibly time, a hard time because I had to help finalize the deal and make sure everybody stayed employed. And, you know, we were, who else was going to have to move, yada, yada, blah, blah, blah. And then I just, I don't know, I, even though I love being in the South and I wanted to be in the South, I, I felt like just because it wasn't on my own terms, the only way I could battle against that was to feed my face. So I gained 30 pounds right. uh, just from the stress of the move. And so what I'm saying is I agree with you that like, and maybe at 485 pounds, Al wasn't happy. I know that when I, and I, of that, so over the last year and a half that we've been in Houston, I've lost 15 of those pounds and I'm on my way to lose the rest for sure. Because I'm finally back in a good spot. So I agree with you that that's not happy. And hearing you now, like, have you reached that happiness internal peace now? I'm working on it, right? It's so, I've learned that it's still an ongoing process. Mm -hmm. um, I think I'm at my goal weight now. I, uh, my heaviest, I, I say I was 45. I started CrossFit at about 422 pounds. So the total weight loss, majority of it lost with CrossFit, is 238 pounds. I now weigh 247 pounds roughly. So between 240 and 250, which is a good weight for me yeah. at my height, right? Um, yeah. I, for, because we do some running and CrossFit, yeah. I definitely want to lose maybe a little bit more to make the running a little bit bearable because I still hate running, mm -hmm. but I, I think I'm there. Um, and now that, now it's a new challenge. The new challenge is to stay in this, um, area because in my head, uh, during the holidays from between Thanksgiving and to the new year, uh, I got up to about 259 pounds. And I got scared because I was like, oh, my God, I'm creeping back up closer to 300, right? So mm -hmm. I needed to dial it back in. So I, I lost 12 pounds in the last five weeks or so. So I'm down to, you know, I'm, I'm down to 247. So I'm, I'm happy. With it. But going back to, your, to, to the point of, like, not being happy, 
uh, you hit it right on the nose about um, you turn to something else to help what you think is helping ease the pain or not ease, but like, uh, no, you're right. Say deal with the, with the yeah. ease the pain and it's something that you can control. Yeah. So yeah. let's, let's dive into that a little bit more yeah, because I specifically want to talk about, uh, the obese experience, right? Uh, please do. Please because do. I was very morbidly obese. I mean, I wasn't just obese. I was categorized as morbidly obese. Yeah, I was going to ask you why you use that word so much. And that's because you're using the clinical term they gave you? Yeah, because now there's a clinical term of super morbidly obese as well. That's how crazy it's gone. Oh, and what I meant to finish up with that story about when I was looking for something online, the scale that I could have at home that I could not buy on Amazon, is because now you can walk into a Costco and buy a $14 scale that goes up to 500 pounds. So that's how common the problem is obesity is in this country, that they are so many obese people that there's a market for scales that go up to 500 pounds. That tells me that there's a lot of unhappy people out there. Absolutely. Absolutely, Dave. Right? So, um, so right off the bat, when people, uh, when, you're, when you're obese, people have these perception of, oh, they're lazy, they're, they're, not, um, they're not motivated, right? Uh, there's a lack of willpower. Maybe if they would just stop eating and, and, and do the right thing, they'd lose that weight, you know, put down the, the spoon and the fork and you'll be fine. That's the perception, right? But the reality is it's a disease. That's what I've learned. It's a disease. Yep. Right. Here's the, here's, and I'll, and again, this is my own story. This is my own truth. If you look at alcoholism and mm-hmm. drug abuse and sex abuse and gambling, those are diseases, right? The difference between those and, and a food addiction, because truly that's what it is. Yeah. It. Food is you need food to live. You can't avoid food like alcohol, right? You can like, you don't need alcohol to live. You don't need gambling to live or drugs to live right you right but you need food so it's a constant battle now like not only to feed the body but now you're overfeeding it with horrible like stuff the body really doesn't need with not not even the proper nutrition so yeah um but that's the the reality is people who tend to overeat and use food to self-medicate is because they're dealing with something else is because they're trying to mask the pain, just like an alcoholic is trying to mask the pain of drinking, whether he does it every day or does it privately and hides it from his friends and family. It's the same. Like the, 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 but again, the only difference is you need food to live every day. Yeah. And so uh, speaking as somebody who is, uh, a chronic overeater, social eater, and I can say that definitely it's an addiction. And what I really think is the addictive part of it is, uh, for me, sugar. Oh sugar, yeah, sugar is so addicting, and I don't think people give enough credit to that. And um, I know for me personally, and then you you can see if this was something that you suffered from too. But was um, you know Sherry would eat. And I wouldn't even be hungry, but it would be mealtime and I would just eat because, you know, that's what you do. And I wouldn't even be hungry, but I would just eat. All right. Because it's habit. 
and you see well, someone else having, you know, having it and you want some of it, even though you may not need it or feel the need to need it, but you just, you know, want a snack well, now. now. See, maybe it's different for me then because I didn't even really want it a lot of the times. I just did it. Mm. Like, I was just like, okay, it's dinner time. Let's just, you know, yeah. giddy up. Let, we're, we're doing this. And then I would just eat. And then um, I have uh, some other medical issues. So I don't necessarily um, have a good switch where my body knows that the food has reached my stomach. Yeah. So just kind of, I just sit there and continue to I just overeat until it's yeah. too late. And then I want to throw up. And I'm like, oh, you did it again, you idiot. Yeah. Um, but I guess, okay, so I'm, I'm maybe I was trying to project and actually maybe I was hoping that that was, you know, I wasn't alone and you were like, yeah, that happens to me too, but you know, it's fine. No, I mean, it, so it's a little different for everyone, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, you're, you're right. It's, it's very different for everyone. And since we're talking about it, being here and let me, let me just be open about it. Um, so when you're that big, um, I, because I was a nice guy, or because most people see me as a nice guy and you know easy to get but along look, with, or whatever. To, I need you to own that you are <laughs> yeah. a nice person, and you are, and it's okay to be a nice person. We love you for it. Yeah, I, and I appreciate that. But now reevaluating or like self-evaluating, it's also maybe it was used as a facade because I didn't want to. I didn't want people to see me as this unhealthy guy this big obese guy so i'd rather give them something else that they can pay attention to does that make uh, sense yes it the perception and right perception yes. and reality right so i wanted them to grasp that i'm a much more important guy and a nice guy in your face i want you to walk away knowing that that's who i am but not the big obese unhappy right. uh, guy who's overeating and over drinking as well yeah, leave leave them with the perception that you want them to leave with, yes. not with the one that you don't want them to leave with. So what I like to say, and I've said in other podcasts, is if you want to control uh, or change somebody's reality, you have to change their perception. So you were doing just that. You were changing their, their reality of you by changing their perception as like, here's this super awesome, nice guy. They're going to remember that. They're not going to remember that he was um, overweight. Yes. Right. And this is me after the fact, now that I've had some time to review, like, why did I allow myself to get that big? And now, like, what was happening during my social interactions with many folks out there as well? So you, just like when you meet other strangers or whatever, you always want to put your best foot forward or whatever, right? That you, that's a cliche that we always hear. That's true to a certain extent, but when you have a physical attribute that you can't help hide, like you can't hide being obese. There's just no way to hide it, right? You well, you can by removing yourself from society. That's that's true. Which like is sad. I don't want anybody to do that. By the way. Get oh no, but. I'm glad you went there because there's a show called My 600 Pound Life that I think we'll touch on later, which is exactly that. People actually hide from society and overeat and get over 600 pounds to like seven, 800. That's where that term super morbidly obese comes in from, right? So going back to when you meet people, um, and that's why, you know, there's that term, oh, my funny fat friend, right? Like if you really think about it, everyone has a funny fat friend or a jolly, you know, 
easy go lucky fat amy right you know so thinking about that is because when you're obese it's the same concept that i'd rather have you see me as funny than see me as and then see me as obese second because those are the attributes i want you to walk away with right yep i I, but then I met this this uh, guy in Seattle that has the same story as me. Um, and what I love was he was honest about his story because um, someone, I think it was like his uncle or whatever, like he was drinking heavily and we have very similar stories because I also drink, like I was drinking heavily as well. And I'll touch on that in a bit. But Finally, someone walked up to to him and said, hey, man, you're a great guy, but do you really want to be the fat, funny friend for the rest of your life? Oh. And that stayed with him for a while until he got into a situation where he needed to change his life. And his story is freaking amazing as well, where, um, you know, he was drinking heavily, got into a car accident, found a doctor who did CrossFit and helped him change his life around. And now he's coaching CrossFit in Seattle. But I remember when I heard that, I was like, man, like there were hints of that along the way of my journey, Mm -hmm. right? But he got it right, like someone told him right to his face. It was like, hey, dude, you're you're a great guy, but do you really want to be the funny fat friend for the rest of your life? You got more to offer than that, you know? So I'm I'm definitely speaking some truth. (laughs) um, Yeah, and I appreciate, look, I I know how tough it is to come on here. um, and, And... people don't people people have this perception of me now because i've you know let's see how many episodes in am i um 10 10 nine published episodes and i've got probably another half dozen pre-recorded and this will be pre-recorded and released at a later date that i'm you know mr comedy cole behind the mic but i am incredibly private person the world's one of the world's biggest introverts this is this is incredibly tough for me, but I'm forcing myself out of my comfort zone. Yeah, no, that's so awesome to hear you say that as well. So I took one of those, what is it, Brig Meyer Briggs test. Myers Briggs, yep, yep. Myers Briggs test, and so I am, I, I, I'm an introvert, right? But yep, but yep. Um, and I look back and people are like, there's no way you're an introvert. There's just no way. And it's funny enough, like I, I go. I go out to meet people or whatever, but there is definitely, I want my alone time, my downtime, just leave me alone or whatever, I come home and do that. But now I realize it's also part of that facade, not facade, but like that perception that I put out there that, hey, I'm an outgoing guy, like I'm using it on, let's go have a drink, let's talk sports or whatever, right? To, that's the perception I give people, but in reality is I'd rather just kick it at home and the world be done like i infj <laughs> my guess for you is infj yes sir that's it that's exactly it nice i still got it yeah yeah you do so uh i wanted to so man because you you brought up like don't hide but man i'm telling is you it, this. isn't it tough like for us introverts so people and, and there's perceptions that you and i could talk about just what it's like being introvert but i would I would tell you that just from being around you for those three years that I was fortunate enough to be with you, like, uh, you know, on a weekly, if not almost daily basis, because you were definitely adopted family for me. Um, definitely my Hawaiian Ohana. Um, 
I learned all my good um, Samoan words from you. Um, but anyway, that's a def another story <laughs> for another day. But uh, I would definitely have guessed that, I mean, I knew you were an introvert, so that was not difficult for me to guess because uh, I recognize we can find each other. Right. And I could very easily tell when like you were getting drained because people don't understand what it's like to be an introvert and, and putting on a show like that, because, um, unlike me, you aren't afraid to smile. Like for some reason I'm afraid to smile. I have resting bitch face. So <laughs> I do. I honestly do. I have resting bitch face. I own it. I learned it was a term maybe 10 years ago. And I was like, damn it. That's me. Cause people, uh, you should smile more. You should this more. You should that more. And I'm like, it, and like, well, the, my favorite thing is, why are you upset? And I'm like, well, I'm upset now. I mean, right. so, but you're not like that. And, but I could tell when you were reaching your point. And if I may make, can I make, can you mind if I make a jump? No, go for it. Was alcohol a way to help recharge, to keep up the happy facade? Absolutely, my friend. And that's where I was heading. That's I'm here to lay the bricks down for your path. I know, man. It's like you're like open door, enter. Um, <laughs> yeah, man. So when you met me, and when we used to go out every now and then, because you weren't really a drinker back in the day. No, I still don't. But I yeah. did. I didn't. I liked going out with you guys though, because I was such um, a, a severe introvert that like. I desperately wanted to go out with you guys. I did, but I was, I didn't want to go out because I felt like that I had to be a certain way or a certain something. But I mean, the beautiful thing about you guys is you guys accept me for my resting bitch face and you never, like, and I, and I loved that. And, and, it, you know, so I like, I loved going out with you guys. I did, but it was very draining for me to be in a public environment like that. It is. Especially yeah. back then, because I mean, back then I was 22, 23. Yeah, yeah. We I mean, were, we're now I'm old, and I understand. Looking back, I've gone through a lot of introspection to get where I am today, to figure that out. But go ahead. This is your story, your time. Please talk about when we would go out. <laughs> yeah, no, when we would go out, and even um, then, um, I was heavily self-medicating using food and alcohol, and. It, those carried on for decades, like in the 90s and 2000s. And, and uh, you know, and it just continued on because I was not happy. There's no way, there is no way anyone who is morbidly obese convinced me that they're happy. You can't. What about, what about that girl on TV? Um, she's got her own reality show and it's like my so-called fat life or whatever. Um, have you ever seen that one? No, I haven't. But no. And I, I'm glad you're going to that route. Um, she's doing it. I, I don't know what the show is about or whatever, but it sounds like she's using her fatness or her obesity to get out of fame and show some body positiveness. Uh, yes. Awareness, right? Yeah. And that sort of thing. Like, I am happy who I am or whatever. That's fine. You can claim that, but... I've been there. No, the, the, you, you cannot convince me otherwise. You have, you know, medical issues that you're probably not sharing that's going on. No one gets to that amount of weight because supposedly they're happy. And it's a fine line, right? It's almost like a dangerous line for me of people who talk. 
I'm going to say this before anyone, you know, here's the thing. This is, again, my own personal view on things. When people come out and say, I am all for body positivity, I get it. Don't get me wrong. If, if you're a big girl and that's the way you want to portray yourself, that's fantastic. Um, that's awesome. Like, own it, right? Like, this is who you are and this is how you want to portray yourself to the world. Now, that could be the perception they give off, but there's a very different reality in their own private life of how they're dealing with it, right? But it's, a, it's almost like a very dangerous precedent to go out and tell people, it's okay to be obese. It's okay to accept me for being 400 pounds 500 pounds that's dangerous to me i I, i'm not going to disagree with you but i'm wondering if you know doesn't everybody at the end of they just want to be accepted i guess you're right i'm not going to deny that like everyone wants to be accepted and i'm not i'm not trying to and please sorry i'm not trying to uh offer cover for them but i just you know, when maybe they're at a certain point and they're just reaching their load, uh, lowness or they're just like, you must accept me for who I am is. Yeah, so I, be, I, 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 I follow you. I follow you. Like everyone wants to be acceptable, accepted. Everyone wants to be liked. Everyone wants to be loved, right? Like those are, those are fine to me. Like, it, yeah, we're, we're human. We want to be accepted and acknowledged and recognized and that sort of thing. But we also have to look at the health side of things when you're promoting an unhealthy lifestyle Mm -hmm. that to me is dangerous because there are people out there who um who thrive on overeating and supposedly they they make themselves happy and so going back to this like super morbidly super morbidly obese label there's a show called my 600 pound life Mm-hmm. And it's basically people who are so overweight that they are sometimes bedridden. They, it's really hard for them to walk. It, they're out of breath just moving from the bed to the shower. It's hard for them to clean themselves. Um, but then when you see them, they talk about how they want help. They feel like prisoners in their own body. And yeah. Yeah. It's sad. So, I can't it watch is. it. I can't watch it. <laughs> so... The, the crazy thing for me is like I I've watched a few like I got addicted a few t- um, watching it and I'm like oh my god I wasn't far off from that I was like 500 pounds I wasn't far off from that you know but as the, the the most common thread among all of the episodes were like they all wanted help they you know they all wanted help they all felt like prisoners in their body there was a sense of desperation. And I could totally understand that, right? But at the same time, they were very manipulative. Like if they didn't get their way, they would lose it. They would disown their family members and talk. It was almost, they knew how to manipulate their enablers, whether it was their significant other or their family members, right? Mm -hmm. They would convince them, no, I need a dozen donuts. No, I need two pizzas for dinner tonight. I, 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 yes, and that's part of the reason is I couldn't. Part of the reason I couldn't stand watching that is because of the manipulation, and these people just caving in. Yeah, and yeah, I'm not but, saying I wouldn't if I was in their shoes, but like as a sideline, what's it called, an arm for a quarterback or whatever. Yeah. Of course, I'm going. Why are you going to Krispy Kreme? And then in my head, I'm like, Oh God, Krispy Kreme, so delicious. But right. That's besides the point. But why are we enabling these people? Yeah. Yeah. So. Um. So if you don't mind, 
Nope. Can we, we've talked a lot about the, and, and thank you for opening up and, sh and sharing this and, and with, with us um, and me specifically. Can we talk about the positive side? Actually, what I want you to tell, could you mind? And then, cause we're gonna go, everybody buckle up. This episode's gonna go long. Um, what I want you to do is if, if I can, can you tell the airplane story? And then, um, <laughs> then I want you to segue, go straight into what was the moment that something clicked in your brain that was like, that what that sent you to the CrossFit gym and then talk about your journey to wellness, please. Okay. All right. So the story you're referring to is um, when you're a big guy, traveling can become very, um, an experience that is very taxing. So uh, I was so big, I couldn't fit comfortably in one seat. So I would use um, Southwest because they still have what they call a passenger of size policy. But back then, the passenger of size policy for Southwest was you had to buy two tickets. And so if I'm flying from Minneapolis to, let's say, San Francisco, um, as long as the flight is empty going, I would get that refund back. And then empty, when I say empty, of extra seats coming back, yeah. I would get that, I basically get refunded for that extra seat. So I would have to pre-board. And then also, you know, I had to like this, take this little card they gave me to put to the seat next to me to say that it's reserved or whatever. Um, so a couple of airplane stories was, I remember doing, uh, you know, get on the plane early, sat down, got my seat, you know, and putting down the little card. And this guy sat next to me and he thought I wasn't paying attention, but he was actually taking a selfie of himself and me next to him because he kept like looking over and he couldn't believe how big I was. And like he was taking pictures of, of me and kind of like sending it off to whomever showing, you know, look at this guy, right? So that's one of the stories. The, the other story was I found a really cheap flight from, uh, from Atlanta to San Francisco to visit family during the holiday. And I was like, oh great, maybe it'll be empty or whatever. Well. Truth be told, my family dropped me off. Um, I check in and, the, and I, I go and I sit down and I'm having anxiety because I'm like, oh my God, please tell me there's no one sitting next to me, no one sitting next to me. So as I, as I board the plane, there's a big guy with his wife sitting on the you know, two seats um, by the window and then I'm on the aisle in the, that middle section of the airplane. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, that guy looks bigger than me. So you know, if anything happens, it's you know, one of us or whatever. <laughs> Well, it's a full flight. The flight attendant comes in. It's a completely full flight. Flight attendant comes in and he's not even soft with his approach, right? He basically said, sir, I need you to collect your things and come with me. And I'm like, I'm sorry, is something wrong? He goes, yes, you can't fit comfortably in that seat and we need to give it uh, and we need to assign it to someone else. You can get on the next flight. I need you to get on the next flight. Oh, so, damn. Oh yeah, on a full flight. And I've never been embarrassed ever in my life. Like that was, talk about a moment of low. That was a low. Collect my things. As I'm walking out, there's another guy walking in to take my seat, right? Um, so that plane takes off. I'm, now I'm sitting at the airport and I'm like, oh my God, I've gotten my life so out of hand that I just got kicked off of the plate because of my size. The next flight comes in. I can't get on that flight. It's oversold as well. 
So I finally get on, I think it was like a third flight out from San Francisco back to Atlanta. And it was also a full flight, but to make it work, I had to sit on the window and mind you, I'm now encroaching, encroaching on the, on the middle seat, right? Mm -hmm. I have to get someone's kid to sit in that seat so that he could be there by himself. And then uh, there was a, someone else at the aisle seat. So I was already encroaching in that seat and I felt sorry for this kid. He was like a seven year old. Like, you know, he didn't, you know, he was, he was very small, but his mom and dad was right behind us and that sort of thing. But I remember that flight going back to San Francisco, just, I mean, going back to Atlanta from San Francisco, like, oh my God, like something's got to change. So that story is like, you know, just seared in my head how embarrassing that, that whole experience was. And, wow. Uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's crazy, um, dude. Yeah. Uh, I was never that big because I'm a tiny 5'9", but even at 250, I didn't really encroach too much, um, I don't think. Um, yeah. So but, today, and I'm not trying to, like, promote no. Southwest, but today I'm a, uh, you know, I'm a Southwest flyer because – as a big guy, they treated me well. And uh, I remember when I started losing the weight and I would still have anxiety. I walked up to the counter and I would show the flight attendant, you know, my before and after picture. I was like, all right, listen, this used to be me. I don't know if I still fit in a seat. And they were like, are you crazy? You're gonna be fine. I'll tell you what, we'll let you pre-board. Just go pick out your own seat, but you don't need two seats. So now it's not even a problem. Like I fit comfortably in one seat. And, Hell yeah, you do. Yeah, there's some slack on the on the seatbelt. Um, it's just crazy. No more extenders, Mike. No, no more seatbelt extensions. Like I needed those for years to travel. My work doesn't even know the Sprint and Ericsson because I worked with those guys, right? Um, those they don't know this, but I would book just on Southwest when I used to fly a lot for work, so that. I would pay for the extra ticket and then get the refund back to me so that I could do this. And then when I couldn't get on Southwest, I would like go on, you know, Delta or whatever the preferred carrier was. Uh, sometimes I would bite the bullet and just buy the extra seat because I didn't want to deal with, you know, with, uh, with having to be kicked off the plane again, if you will. Yeah, nobody wants that to happen. Yeah, man. I mean, no, I'm sorry that happened. But can you tell us, like, what was your, what was your, because that, I don't know that this was your aha moment. What was your, what was the straw that broke the camel's back? Yeah, so, so this went on for a few years, right? Um, so, again, I'm, I'm only sharing this because now I feel like I'm come out on the other um, side of the tunnel because I can talk about it because now I feel like people need to hear why I never talked about these things because you're ashamed, right? Yes. So, the re shame the, is real people shame is real my friend so i because i didn't want people to to know that i was you're giving off this like weakness you i wanted to still portray this or give people the perception that i was still a, a big guy but i can take care of myself don't worry about me i got this right you That's don't want nobody's thing. pity right like right. i got this don't I worry about either. it yeah right. okay but uh no but the reality this is what i was dealing with uh so anyway at the age of 39, a few years ago, I had a heart attack. No one knew I was in the hospital other than my boss. I just texted him and he didn't even know. I just texted him and I said, hey, I came in for the hospital for this. They want to keep me here for a few days for observation or whatever. I didn't even tell him it was a heart attack, right? Um, and for those three days, oh, and that's, that's another story. So 
I walk in, I walk in because I'm feeling like I was on a boat, rocking boat for over a week. Mm. And that's what took me into the doctor's office. Oh. But before that, a week before that, I was playing tennis. And even at 400 something pounds, I was still playing tennis, trying to move around the court. I, I had this like, all of a sudden, I thought it was my asthma kicking in and I had a hard time breathing. But it was a little bit of pain on the chest, but it never resonated with me that it was a heart attack. Right? The signs were there. But the signs were there. I had a heart attack a week before I knew I had a heart attack. That's crazy. And even, even during that week, Dave, I helped someone move their stuff from the second floor into storage. Like we carried furniture up and down and I was like huffing and puffing moving well, furniture. That's because what nice people trying to make people think they're nice do. Right? Um, and so finally I was like, why does it feel like I'm walking on a boat? Like it's just like rocking you know, all day. So finally, I go see my primary care, and she does an EKG. She comes in and she says, all right, Al, I need you to remain very calm and very still. Take deep breaths. But I have an ambulance coming to take you to the emergency room. You've had a heart attack. So you need to be, be very still and don't get excited or whatever. This is very serious. So uh, the ambulance comes, these guys get me on the gurney, and I'm well over, I think I was 450 pounds when I had the heart attack. So I'm well over 400, and I remember the embarrassment of like them trying to get me into the uh, ambulance and getting me out, because I was so heavy. You know, like both of them, like they needed extra help just to lift the end of the gurney to pull me out, you know. And I was like, oh, my God, can I just get off this thing and walk? Would that be make it easier for you guys? Right. Um, so I had a heart attack. I was in the hospital um, for about three days. I had three stents put in, uh, had no visitors, uh, went home. And then finally called up my sisters the like two days after I got out and told them what happened. And of course they were all mad at me and whatever. And then just told a handful of friends that I really trusted of, of what happened. And cause I didn't want a whole lot of people to know. Um, so that was one of the big signs uh, for me. And then the other one was I had a herniated disc and that was probably the, the, you know, the new, mm -hmm. uh, uh, anyway, but I had a herniated disc. Uh, went to get an MRI, discovered that I also have spinal stenosis, which is pretty much the narrowing of the spinal canal, um, yep. two different parts of my lower lumbar. So I guess the normal um, space would be 10 millimeters minus six millimeters in different parts of my lower lumbar. So my uh, spine doctor basically said, you need, he says, if I was to look at just your MRI and your x-rays, I would say this guy needs like back surgery right now. But when he saw me, even at over 400 pounds, I was still able to move. Like there was some pain or whatever. Mm -hmm. He said, so far you're moving okay. It probably means like right now you're okay with the six millimeters. Um, and we just, you'll need to take a, what do you call it? Epidural, um, you know, to start healing some of that uh, um, inflammation that I was having. Um, but he said, you're a big guy. You need to get some weight off of your frame. And that's all I've heard, like, for my whole life was you need to get off of your frame. So that, that was, when was it, early 2016. Mm -hmm. uh, in April, I decided to go 
do gastric bypass because I thought I've done, like I'm completely done. I've tried everything, dieting, exercising, paid memberships that I never went to walk into a gym with or whatever. Um, there was a guy that I played tennis with that he was a personal trainer. I, I seeked his help and it didn't like, it just nothing. I felt like I tried everything under the sun, didn't work. So that was April. I started seeing a gastric bypass surgeon in May and started losing some weight because, you know, they prep you. They tell you, we want to see you lose weight on your own yeah. before you, you know, we, we actually uh, go under this, this procedure. Um, so June, um, this CrossFit uh, Groupon comes up and I can't remember what it was, like $50 for the month or whatever. And I was like, and I heard about CrossFit a year before and I was talking to someone about it. And then I, of course I go Google it and all I see are these like, like super athletic people moving weight, running, jumping, throwing wobble. Oh, yeah. They're doing so, like monkey bars. Like it's nothing. They're doing like pull-ups with like 50 pound weights on their ankles. And you're like, you people are insane. Right. Exactly. And I'm like, no, you know, the, the, so the year before, I was like, there's no way I can't do this stuff. Right. So anyway, uh, June, I see this group on and I'm having a conversation with one of my buddies at work and his wife actually happens to work for a post surgery, uh, gastric bypass center. So like once you're done, you go into this center and you heal, recover, whatever. So he was telling me stories about like, you know, the wife saying, you know, we see a lot of these patients, you know, they go under the knife. They think that this is going to solve their problems, but it doesn't. And the reality is they're not changing their habits. They just think that this is the solution, right? So it's he would talk. Pill. It's a yeah, that's it. There's and no magic us, pills. No and magic in, our, in our society, we always look for the easy way out, right? We, it's always that, give me that magic pill. Or, yep. or, like, how can I do this real quick? And so it a, it, we're always looking for this quick solution. Anyway, um, and he was a really good friend of mine. So he was telling the stories that his wife would talk about. And he said, you know, the wife would also say, I've seen some people gain all their weight back plus more, you know, because they really haven't dealt with why did you get this big? How, like, you're still using food to self-medicate, right? So, and I was like, whoa, that's crazy. So as I'm having a conversation with my buddy, Dwayne, he straights out, looks at me in the face and says, Al, have you really, really done everything you can physically to lose the weight? And I looked at him and I said, hell's yeah, Dwayne, I have. What are you talking about? I have. I've done everything I can. I go home. I think about this conversation. And I was like, you know what? Maybe I have it. I called up Dorian down across the resurgence in Atlanta. And I said, hey, well, I emailed Dorian. And I said, hey, this is my story. I'm like over 400 pounds. I don't know if you can help me or whatever. So Dorian at CrossFit Resurgence invites me to come meet him. And I do. I walk into this gym, all nervous, anxious. And immediately I have this like coming to Jesus moment with him, you know, because he starts telling me, it's like, dude, I want to help you, but you got to show up and do the work. And I don't know what sank, but I finally recognized, all right, here's a guy that wants to help you, but you got to just show up and do the work. Like you got to commit to this now. It's either this or you're going to go under the knife. Right. Mm -hmm. So yeah. So Dorian, I was so like, like Dorian never has worked with a morbidly obese person before. So he worked one-on-one -on -one with me. Um, and we were just doing some simple things like just step up and step down. So I, my knee gave out. I felt I was embarrassed then around like all these super fit people. Um, there were moments of, I wanted to give up because it was like, I just don't belong. Like look at all these fit people. Like, no. Um, 
but Dorian just reminded me, just it's like, stay focused. We're all in here to work on something, including them. They might look super fit to you, but guess what? They didn't automatically just get there. They had to work at it. They had a starting point. You have a starting point. So I was very lucky, Dave, that I, um, you know, people that I needed to be, I, people showed up on my path at the right moment, at the right time for my journey. And Dorian was definitely one of the big key factors that helped me get from 422 pounds down to 200, um, you know, 38 pounds or 247 pounds now, but that's where it started. But Minnesota is, so let me go back to Dorian. Um, I go through this uh, fundamentals class. I had to take it twice because I wasn't moving well and whatever, but coming out of that fundamental class and you join a regular class right after that. Um, and I was all nervous and stuff. And, and uh, Dorian was like, no, you'll be fine. Because in CrossFit, we have this thing called scaling the movement, right? So for example, I could not do burpees, my friend. Like burpees, I still hate um, <laughs> with passion. Um, but bur my burpees back then was, it was just getting down to the floor and getting back up. There was no burpee movement at all. That was no leg, no leg kick out. There's no leg kicking out, no leg and kick back in to get sure. back up. There's, yeah, which is fair. I mean, so, and that's why a lot of people will have this perception of CrossFit being dangerous because they tell you to do all of this like movements, which when you YouTube CrossFit, it comes up. No, 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 no. It, the reality is in CrossFit is when you walk in, depending on your fitness level, we're going to start you somewhere where we think you can handle the weight or handle whatever the movement is, and then you work your way up, right? Because um, uh, Nobody can start at beast mode. I'm sorry. You just can't. Oh, no. You, the you, perception is I don't care who you are and how fit you think you are because I've been in some CrossFit gyms. I know somebody who owns one in Fairhope, Alabama. Nice. And, uh, he's, he's awesome. And people who think they're fit, they try to go in the perception. I can do beast mode. No, you can't do beast mode. you got to work up to it. And I respect yeah. that about CrossFit and what you guys do. Um, can you say the term again with the uh, something? Scaling. Called? It's called scaling. scaling. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, we scale the movement. So there's always, so we do box jump, which is basically you just jump onto a box. There's different heights, right? I, there's no way 420 something pounds is jumping onto anything. Let's just put it that way, right? Oh, if you were 10 feet tall. <laughs> right. So I would step up to a 12 inch box. That's how the progression worked for me. You know, so and not just like anything else. You do, you got to start somewhere. You end up somewhere. But going back to Doran was part of the story to get me started. I spent seven months there, and then work uh, came into play where I took this new position, and I thought I could stay in Atlanta. But basically, I had to come to Minnesota to um, for work. So there was some nervousness coming here because even Dorian admitted that he was worried about um, me losing momentum, right? Like I, by the time I moved to Minnesota, I was down 85 pounds in seven months. And so I was roughly, what, 337, I want to say, when I moved yeah. here. Yeah. Uh, and so I uh, came here, found a place, and I was having that moment where I could have easily gone out drinking and eating because I was having this was like, oh, boo-hoo, poor me. I don't know anyone here. Like, you know, I don't have a support system. Like I, you know, whatever. So, but I didn't. I realized, all right, listen, get it together, right? You're here for a reason. Um, and that is this job that you took. 
But now looking back at it, because it's been exactly two years, it's funny that we're having this conversation. It's been exactly two years since I moved to Minnesota. Um, I met someone, um, and I, this is a props to Megan, uh, at a restaurant uh, near the Airbnb I was staying at. Mm-hmm. And we just started striking up with a conversation, right? And uh, started oversharing, hey, this is my story, maybe five pounds down. She's like, oh, that's fantastic. And she used to, she was a, an athlete in college as well. And then I start telling her about like, yeah, I'm really nervous about being here. I don't know anyone or whatever. And, and she's was working on her graduate degree at the University of Minnesota, but she only comes, she lives in Wisconsin. But her, when I talk about people coming to the right, to your life at the right moment, her um, answer back to me was, Al, you are where you need to be at this very moment of your life. And I was like, wow, I needed to hear that. I really needed to hear that, right? Two days later, I'm having dinner at the restaurant across the street from that same restaurant, and I meet some other folks, and we get into this conversation. And the wife of, you know, the, the couple that I was talking to said the same exact thing. Al, you are where you need to be at this moment, in this moment of your life. Like that's, I was like, I, if that's not a sign, I don't know what is. So now reflecting exactly two years ago, what was really important to me was my health and my work. And those are the two things I needed to concentrate on. And me being removed from Atlanta was a test to see if those things would still be able, if I would still be able to continue well on those things on my own. So. And you did. I, so credit to CrossFit 952 here in Minnesota. I met Pat Tate um, when I moved here. And, uh, you know, I credit him now for the continuation of my journey, right? So it started in Atlanta, it continued here in Minnesota. And now it's crazy that I'm doing some coaching at CrossFit as well. You know, um, I'm helping some people like share my story to help some people, whoever is out there. And I'm not here to tell anybody CrossFit is the answer of all things weight related. No, it just so happens it works for me. Yeah. And I, you know, I tell people, find what works for you, whether it's running or tennis or basketball, whatever it is, you just have to find what you enjoy. So I think that's key. And, and I don't, I just want you to know that you're not giving the impression, at least to me, as the person you're talking to, that CrossFit is the answer for everybody. Uh, it worked for you. It's going to continue to work for you. It's become part of the a core of who you are, and you're paying it forward by being there and talking about it. And you're going to help people in your situation. Um, well, not your current situation because you're slim and awesome now. Um, you were, you know, overweight and awesome before, but now you're slim and awesome. So, um, but you can help people, and I think that's important. And um you know shout out to uh what what was the name of the crossfit you're at now uh 952 crossfit 952 in minneapolis right at bloomington minnesota in bloomington minnesota <laughs> yeah um shout out to everybody everything all minnesota all yeah awesome people up there um but i think that uh if i may be so bold if there's anybody who is classified in those categories and you feel like CrossFit is something you want to try and somebody who's been there, I would say, Al, is it okay if I tell people like, go find you? 
Absolutely. So I will even send you the link, right? So CrossFit asked me to share my story last year. Um, so I will send you the link that... Um, Definitely, that please, because I'll put it in the blog. Yeah, put um, it in the blog. And then, you know, you can share... I think my Facebook page is also public. So whoever wants to reach out to me for information, and again, it doesn't have to be CrossFit related. It could be nutrition, because um, that was another big thing. I had to learn... I can work out all I want, but if I don't dial in the nutrition, um, it's never going to, like you can never outwork a terrible diet, right? There are empty calories that just turn into fat and sugar in your body. And then there are good calories that take a while to digest. So I I agree with you. Um, Yeah. So if we could just say personally, if, if you don't mind, there are calories that will metabolize and turn your liver into a shrieking hulk of useless mess and you will be on a liver transplant list before you're 50. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so since you're segueing into like the whole nutrition and what, man, I am a true believer that the body will heal itself if you just give it the right nutrients and vitamins. I'm a true believer in that now. Um, well, you definitely... And and I have several health problems, which I'm going to talk about in a future episode with my nephew, who also suffers from multiple chronic and critical illnesses, uh, like myself. And we're actually going to talk about uh, what that's like. And and I think you do this. You've talked a little bit about this. Is that the happiness? Like when people find out about Ryan, or they find out about me and what I'm going through on a daily basis. I don't, neither one of us look like we're critically ill, but the minute they find out, they treat you different. And then you have to curb your words and curb your feelings to make them feel better. The person, them being the person you're talking about. So we're going to specifically talk about that. And I think you touched on that a little bit today because you, you didn't want to talk about it, about your obesity, but also you didn't want people to have to feel uncomfortable. So you changed the way you act to make them feel more comfortable. Oh yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I, uh, can't thank you enough for, for being on. And this is what happens with me when I do this podcast, I'm a horrible timekeeper. Uh, and I could literally, I could sincerely just keep talking to you, but, um, what I'll say is this, is that, uh, hopefully this was a good experience for you coming on here and doing this show and helping people uh, because I truly, that's one of the reasons I wanted you on. I didn't really know what we were going to talk about or the subjects, but watching your journey and knowing the nice guy, not the facade guy, the actual really nice guy that you'll want to help people and pay it forward. And, and I think that the saying goes when the student is ready, the teacher reveals themselves. Uh, him or herself, if you want to get politically correct. Al's that teacher. And if you're ready, he's revealed himself. And I think Al, those people that you've talked about, and, and I believe this in myself, this is why I like that saying, is because when I've needed things or when I've come to the realization that I was ready to make X move in my life and I was didn't know what to do or how to get started, somebody was there and I think it's because I was open to the experience and there are people out there, believe it or not, not you, Al, because you believe this, that actually want to help. Yeah. And they're willing to help. You know why? Because we've all been there. And whatever your there is, somebody's been there and they want to help you through it. If 
like L, L year there was, uh, what did you call it? Morbid obesity? Yep. You know, that's year there. Um, I was also overweight, um, probably o- obese. Yeah, I'm probably overweight right now uh, at 190 pounds um, for my frame, I'm sure. But, uh, you know, I was obese myself. I was there. And one thing that, that strikes me, I've talked about the resting bitch face, is that, like, I am, I like to, and, and the introvertedness, I like to be an observer. And I'm sure that people have caught me staring at them. And I want to just tell you all, if you're one of those people, and you happen to know me, I I'm, I'm, can assure you that I'm not thinking what you think I'm thinking. Um, I'm thinking, like, uh, you know, if I, you know, you can't really approach people because then you're just creepy, but you know, I'm always there. I'm that person that wants to help anybody. I'm that teacher. If you have a career issue, if you have whatever, that's why I do my coaching practice. And I've mentioned this on Dean's podcast. I don't charge for my coaching because I had a lot of great mentors and this is my way of paying it forward. So when I say I'm like, am I the world's best coach? No, that's probably John Maxwell, but um, I can be helpful. So you definitely are Dave. So let me, let me just say this. You, you put out such a great message and I think you're a great coach. Um, but you've always been that guy that I remember like always wanting to help others. Right. Um, but if I being for the most part, I'm a pretty private guy, but during this journey, I have to recognize that I did not get here alone. Mm-hmm. Right. I need to give credit where credit is due. And while I may have shown up and done the work, worked on my diet, worked on, you know, getting to the gym and committing to my health, you know, you, you hit it right on the nose. Like you, you needed, I needed people yeah. to show me the way, to show me the path. So there is the Dorians of the world. There's Pat Tates of the world that I met along my way. Right. Um, but at the same time, I also want to say the community, like we have this big thing in the CrossFit community overall. They, when I joined my first class, when I was done, uh, well, like people just walked over and, hey, nice job, guy. Hey, hey, they started introducing themselves and they recognized the severity of my health uh, at the time. And they wanted to like positively say, keep coming back, keep coming back. You're not alone. Like, come keep coming so this is my small way to pay it forward you know like yes again i did the work and i showed up and i worked on my diet and all of that good stuff but um i owe a lot to the people i surrounded myself with and i choose to surround myself with because i've discovered myself um in this journey as well like i'm much more than you know the nice guy you know i'm discovering my um that being vulnerable is good because with vulnerability comes uh opportunities of growth Mm -hmm. right so so me talking to you and we i guess i can say this i had um uh, what do you call it I was nervous coming on here and talking about some things, but I recognize in order to move past uh, that is just, you know, you have to talk about it. You have to, if it helps one person change their life to find better health, then it's all worth it. It's all worth being vulnerable. So it, it is. And I, I sincerely appreciate, and I tell everybody this, I appreciate the trust that they've given me 
to come on and do an unedited, unscripted, unprepared show, really. That's, that's pretty scary stuff because you don't know, you know, well, I'm going to post this in whole. There's no editing. There's no editing out anything. And it's completely unprepared and unscripted, and it's just a conversation. That's very, very scary. So thank you for that. There's only one person that hasn't been scared, and that was Dean, but that's just because of who he is and being a public speaker, right. um, an actual public speaker. You know, this is right in his comfort zone. Um, but as Dean says, in that episode on success, and success may be like you get to, here's the beautiful thing about success you get to define your own success. Don't let somebody define your success for you. That's very limiting. Define your own success. And if your success is to follow an else good example and, and path, and that's losing weight, find your success and ask yourself what Dean would ask himself. What would happen if? What would happen if you messaged Dale? What would happen if you reached out to your local dietitian or had a real serious? What would happen if you actually, not you, Al, but you know, the, the people. Right. What would happen if? you actually had an honest discussion with your own healthcare provider instead of lying to yourself? Or what would happen if you looked at your gym tag like Al and I had on our keychains and you would actually showed up to the gym? So ask yourself, don't be afraid to ask yourself what would happen next. Um, so Al, hopefully, again, going back, hopefully you had such a good experience that you have several things that have come up that you might wanna talk about in general. And you're always welcome back on to talk about any of those other things that Thank you. in your, your head. Thank you for going on this journey with me. We, as always, with every podcast episode, they've ebbed and flowed and they go different directions, but that's right. pretty much how life works. And uh, if I could, I'm going to, I'm going to put you on the spot and I, and I, I usually uh -huh. promise people I won't do that, but I'm going to put you on the spot. <laughs> Can you offer any advice? Cause I'm, I do struggle with getting guests. So now that you've gone through the process, if I may, if you could, Let's end the show. Do you have any advice to people who are afraid to be a guest? Who are afraid to be a guest? Yeah, like, um, your, like yourself. You're like, I'm not, an, I'm not an, an expert, but this is my journey. I sincerely, I want regular people because there's only so many experts in the world and we're, the rest of us are all regular people and that's, all, yeah. that's what we've got. Uh, so my, uh, my one tip would be don't overthink it. I think that I came into this seriously overthinking what the whole situation was about, but you have a very calm demeanor about um, approaching the subject matters and, you know, just hinting at what we can talk about and that sort of thing. But uh, definitely be open to talk about things that you might be uncomfortable talking about because um, uh, it, it might help someone else. And while we're at it, it's so awesome that you ended with, you know, what ifs, because that is, so good to hear because if i can add one more thing to that is add it be truthful to yourself because mm. that's what it was for me i was yeah. lying to myself for so long be truthful be honest with yourself where you are at at this moment and where you want to be and just know people are out there willing to help you willing to help you for free thank for you for free exactly for free because we want to help and do you mind if I piggyback on that? No, go for it. So I posted in one of the liver support groups that I'm a member of, um, and I'll let people figure out why I'm a member of that. But 
uh, you know, we all have bad days with our diets. And one person was really beating themselves up. And, and my advice was, don't beat yourself up. You, you give yourself, you had, you had a bad day or a bad week. Tomorrow is a new day to, to eat better and get back on. Remember, every day out of that week that you eat better, it's one less day that you were eating poorly the week before. I'm like, don't let, I think I said something like, don't let this setback define who you are. Absolutely. Let the days that you eat well and follow your diet define you. Let those good moments define who you want to be and who you become. Absolutely. Yeah, that's good. So that's I don't know. Good. That seemed to help him through his struggle. And uh, we've been IMing back and forth. And I, I, you know, I try to help out there too. Um, yeah. But I digress. Thank you, sir, for being on the show today. Mr. Pataglia, thank you for having me. Make sure that time. you send me those links so I can publicize them. Um, yes, and, and I will absolutely, for everybody listening, they'll be on the blog and uh, I will post them with the audio version and the one I posted on Facebook. So, Sounds good. Thanks a lot, Al. I appreciate your time. All right, Dave. How are we going? You too. Bye. Bye. If you'd like to leave feedback on the podcast, comment on this episode or a previous episode, or to be a guest on the show, leave me a message by calling 1-585-210-0240. Any feedback or episode comments could end up being aired in the future. I look forward to hearing from you.